Amen. It is so wondrous that, that God always finds a way to us, even when it doesn't look like it, even when we don't know it. Um, you know, it's like uh, the season of winter, um, or, or like when humans are sleeping, uh, that it doesn't look like anything's going on. Matter of fact, it might even be that things look like they're, they're dead. But uh, from the outside, you know, from looking at the, the surface. But what we, we know in, in winter, the plants are doing all kinds of stuff internally. They're, they're, they're making chemical changes, you know, reducing the water content, lowering the, the freezing temperature uh, so that they don't freeze. So as to prepare to, to protect themselves. And even in the ground, when it's not frozen, the roots continue to grow. And the more and more sleep study we hear today, the more and more we realize what's going on when we're sleeping. We used to think of it as a, a waste of time even, you know, sleeping. But in actuality, there are essential things going on in our bodies of restoration and renewal. Our, our brains actually are very active, storing memories in certain places and our nervous system is essentially, you know, Reducing and calming and settling down. And, and even um, our, our hormones are, are working. And particularly in younger days, our growth hormones, that's when they come the most. We actually grow when we're sleeping. So even though in those different ways, it, it doesn't look like things are going on, you know, at the surface. Um, but uh, behind or at the center stage, but below the surface or behind the curtain. There's a whole lot that's going on. That the God is at work, as we'll see in our passage today, that, that Zechariah is, is the one who I, I think is really disappointed, disillusioned. He's looking at the surface, he's in touch with his pain, and it has led him away from realizing God's power at work below the surface. That, that God is always working, carrying out His plan of salvation, even though it may look like winter at times, even though it may look like He's asleep. There's a lot that's still going on, as we'll see that as we look at our passage. Um, that even in our own lives, when we think that God may be silent or absent or, or too busy or unable... Really, often what that means is that God is not doing what we want Him to do when we want Him to do it. But even then, that, that's still real. And, and there can be that sense of disillusionment, of doubt, of losing even a faith and trust, being disappointed with God. And, and so we'll see here through Zechariah. How, how does this, this event in Zechariah's life, how does God address that disappointment for him and for us, our passage is in Luke chapter one, um, uh, found on page eight fifty five in your pew Bible. Um, uh, we'll we'll read chapter one verses uh, six. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Put my glasses in the other pocket. There we go. Now, um, hope you weren't offended by that. I'm glad, just glad you know now I do have on long pants. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray together. 
Almighty God, we do thank you for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth, um, uh, revealing to us often what goes on behind the scenes. Continue to, to show us uh, today your reality, whether we see it or not, even whether we feel it or not. Continue to sear in our very hearts the sure and certain hope of your promises being fulfilled. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children in the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, there are times in our lives when we get beaten down by troubles and disappointments and just the monotony of life. And I think that's what happened to Zechariah here. A couple things that flow. One is quite obvious, but a couple other things that maybe you wouldn't think about. But one, that the whole notion of Herod being king of Judea. Well, it, this is just a whole reminder again that... Um, Zechariah is a priest of a people who are occupied and oppressed. 
And Herod, like all, any other Caesar, he wasn't a servant leader. He was a despotic king who did some nice things and in other ways when he was in a bad mood would destroy people. He was not a loving, kind servant leader. And Zechariah was a priest for his people in that time. And he was a part of that oppressed, occupied people in that time. And we also hear more obviously Zechariah. He has done everything right. I mean, he's from the right families. He's got the right genealogy. He's a priest. He's serving the Lord from his family. He married a priest's daughter. Yeah, so who is from the tribe of Aaron and Elizabeth. So they got the right genealogy. And then even more than that, we're told that they were righteous people. They were obeying and following the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. And yet their dream was still unmet. They had no children and as far as they could tell, they weren't going to have them. They were advanced in years. They had not been blessed with the baby that they longed for. And now Zechariah... Serving as a priest and usually what happened in those days every six months uh, you would go before um, uh, go, go to Jerusalem to the temple to carry out your responsibility and serve there for a couple weeks. And now Zechariah, he's chosen. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, there are eighteen thousand priests probably around this time. So the only you, know, you 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 had you were given a number of responsibilities, and only one time in your life are you given the privilege of bringing the incense before the court of Israel. The court of Israel was the the room that surrounded the very holy of holies. The holy of holies is the place where the ark of the covenant was. It's where God resided. And you now, as a priest, one time in your life, get to come right next to the place where God dwelled, where He inhabited that space, the place where the ultimate sacrifice was made. And there you got to prepare for the sacrifices around the Holy of Holies by lighting the incense right next to the very place where God dwelled. So there's a little bit, one would think, of an anticipation That would be yours when you get this opportunity to be next to the very Holy of Holies. And so Zechariah, in that situation though, given the realities of his life, comes before the Holy of Holies and the angel Gabriel comes and presents himself to him. And, And Zechariah responds with, how will I know this is going to happen? Is that not the answer of one who is disappointed? Who has had hope shattered over and over again? <laughs> that he's right next to the place where God dwelled. And an angel stands before him. And, and he's shocked by that. We're told that he's terrified by that. So he recognizes what's going on. And the angel tells him what's going to happen in his life. And he responds, how will I know it? Prove it to me. He's one who is so overwhelmed with disappointment and despair that he doesn't even believe the very angel of God. One of the two angels, Gabriel and Michael, who are named. He doesn't believe it even then. He's been beaten down by the evil and disappointment in his life and his life that around him. And he's serving in the temple. 
He's going through the motions. He's doing what he's supposed to do. But he is on cruise control. He's not prepared to meet with God as the priest preparing for the sacrifices before him. Some of you, 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 you can relate to this, maybe even today. Challenging experiences of loss, betrayal, oppression, pain that cause disappointment with God. And, and I, I present to you and that, that with Zechariah and here with, uh, with you that that's understandable. It's normal even. It's human of us. When we wonder what God is doing. It is winter. And it looks like nothing is happening. There are times in our lives when we think God is asleep. Uh, read recently uh, this uh, week uh, excerpts from a new, new book um, by Andrew Brunson called God's Hostage. You may remember Andrew Brunson was a, a global mission worker of the church um, in, uh, um, in Turkey. Um, actually, John and Laura Schindeldecker, some of you know, who've served in Turkey for a number of years, were really good friends with uh, um, Andrew. Um, and in 2016, several years ago, when there was attempted coup in Turkey, um, Andrew was chosen as the example for other mission workers that may be in Turkey to encourage them to leave. And so he was arrested. After 23-year uh, missionary service in Turkey, was arrested. The rest of his family was sent home, but he was then kept in prison um, for for months. Um, he was uh, he was kept there, and he shared in this book now just how broken he was in the cell. He says, "I felt abandoned by God." And in those circumstances, it was easy to let my heart grow cold. When it seemed like God wasn't answering my pleas for his presence. He said, even Noreen, his wife, she, she kept reminding me, whatever doubts you have, God remains the same. He's faithful. He's true. He's loving. He is good. But he said, I, he continued just to feel abandoned. There, even becoming suicidal. He said, in the, the midst of, of that, he continued to try to focus his, his attention on the, the awesomeness of God, cultivating a, that healthy fear of God, like Isaiah had when he was in the temple. Because he knew persecution was going to come. He knew that was part of it, but that sense of abandonment. And he said, in, in the midst of that, I tried to hold fast to the promise that God will make all things right in the end. I mean, I wasn't thirsting for vengeance. Just means that while Jesus is portrayed as a lamb, pure, innocent, sacrificial, he's also portrayed as a fierce lion. Someday, those who persecute my brothers and sisters are going to encounter Jesus. They will encounter him as a lamb if they've surrendered to him. Or else they will encounter him as a lion. They will meet him 
and he will make all things right. So in, in the midst of that sense of uh, abandonment and that sense of... Uh, and he went on to say it wasn't just... I mean, he knew in his head that God was in control, but he, it was in his soul that he, just, he felt abandoned. He didn't feel the very presence of God. And he says now as he looks back, he, he can see... Um, now how God used that time to really cause an explosion of a worldwide prayer movement for the church in Turkey. And he, he really has a sense now of God saying, you know, said God was saying to him, I can take you out, but if you're willing to stay, I will do something even greater. Take heart from uh, Andrew Brunson. Remembering in the midst of the dead of winter, God is the one in control and working. And take heart from the rest of the passage. That God is at work. He does hear our cries. But he responds in a way that is just right for the rescue of this world. However it might seem like God has been silent or inactive to Zechariah, In actuality, God's been very active behind the scenes, planning and preparing to complete his plan of salvation. That that plan of salvation that he promised as early as Genesis 2 and 3, right after Adam and Eve's rebellion. He told them then. He he told Abraham, from you I'm going to make a great nation that will bless the world. God has been fulfilling that promise even to the end. And now, the angel Gabriel is appearing to Zechariah, bringing this great news that God's plan of salvation is coming. That, that, that it's about to be the winter thaw. The plants are about to break loose because Jesus is going to be born. And this will bring great rejoicing and celebration for the whole world. God is real. And he's going to bring that joy to you too, Zechariah. And to Elizabeth. Because he's heard your cries. You will have a child. And your child, your child will be fulfilling this plan even. In the, in the genealogy of Elijah, in a sense. In the spirit of Elijah, he says. Who's a prophet. Back in 1 Kings 18. You want to go read more about him? You can. But God is tying together through the words of Gabriel um, to John and Elizabeth that you have been going through this disappointment that now will be fulfilled because not just for you will it be fulfilled, but for the whole world will it be fulfilled. That God's eternal plan of bringing reconciliation and wisdom and obedience and preparation to his people is being fulfilled now through you. Malachi is the last book of our Old Testament. And he is the last of the prophets to speak. So in a sense, these are the last words of God's prophets in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. This is this is the the last two sentences of the Old Testament, of our Old Testament. Hebrew Old Testament is a little different in how it's ordered. Um, But uh, he's the last prophet Um, There as well. Behold, Malachi says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. 
And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So this is what Gabriel is referring to. That you're telling Zechariah, your son John will now be fulfilling in the spirit of Elijah what Malachi was saying. He's coming to prepare the people. He's coming before the awesome day of the Lord. He's coming before God visits us. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Just as Gabriel said to Zechariah. Malachi was written... Three, four hundred years before Gabriel appeared to Zechariah. That was the last word of the prophets of God. That his plan would be fulfilled. So Zechariah's disappointment, Zechariah's waiting, Zechariah's loss of faith represents the same for the very people of God. Who have been experiencing three hundred years of silence. From the voice of God. So you can see why Zechariah may be disappointed. Why the people may be disappointed. Why they may be not ill prepared. They may be ill prepared to receive a word from the Lord. Gabriel, the angel Gabriel is now the one who breaks that silence. And says the plan of salvation has started Victory is secure. Now, in the midst of that, it's understandable that Zechariah, he didn't get it. He didn't see it. It's understandable that was the case. I mean, he was focused more on his pain than he was on God's power. There's a great uh, story from uh, D-Day in uh, Normandy. Beach and just the, the difference of perspective from those who were on the ground fighting the battle on the beach and on the land and those who were in the air. Because the soldiers on the ground, all they saw was the chaos and the carnage. And they thought this battle is lost. This war is done. But the pilots in the air could see the whole battlefront. They could see the different areas. They could see who was coming to the battle. They could see who didn't have folks coming, who did. They could see how folks were making advances. And the people in the air were celebrating as they saw from their vantage, while the people on the ground were in despair in the midst of the chaos. Gabriel was coming to bring. This is what God has been doing. He's bringing the 10,000 foot view to Zechariah who's been on the front seeing just the carnage and the chaos and the disappointment. We see in Malachi and Luke as they come together so quickly Three to four hundred years of silence being broken. And as I said earlier, stealing from the Chronicles of Narnia. This is a sign of the thaw from winter. God is no longer silent to Zechariah or to God's people. Again, I ask you, do you find yourself on cruise control like Zechariah? 
Do you find yourself more just focused on your own pain instead of the very power of God? Just like with Zechariah, it's understandable. But maybe today is your day of waking up to the sure and certain promises of God that bring joy and celebration. Of being reminded that His plan of salvation for the world will be fulfilled. What is wrong will be made right. What is bad will be made good. And He wants you not only to know that, but to be a part of it. Just like He wanted Zechariah to be a part of it. He's saying, Zechariah, this is the good news. The plan is being fulfilled and this is the part you get to play. And he says the same to you and me. This is the good news. The plan is being fulfilled and he wants us to be a part of it. It involves God's plan of salvation, involves God's people carrying it out. I mean, in the biblical language of the church, who are we? We're God's army. We're the body of Christ. We're his family. We're his workers. In a sense, to use common language today, we're as first responders of love and grace and mercy and righteousness to a rebellious world. And God will prepare us so that we can work out God's plan of salvation in our lives, in our world. Even in our doubts, even in our uncertainty, even in our brokenness, even in our rebellion, God will fulfill His plan in and through us. God understands that his invitation is uncertain to us. That it may not be something we jump up to with joy and celebration. But like Zechariah, we might be taken aback. Because our focus has been on the chaos around us. There's two two things in this passage that we find of preparation here. Both for Zechariah and for all of God's people. I mean, obviously, Zechariah, he's not fully prepared to receive God's blessing of a child. What he's been praying for all along for himself and what he's been praying for all along for his people. He's not prepared yet to receive it. So what does he do? He gives them the very gift God does in God's patience through the mouth of Gabriel. He gives them the gift of silence for nine months. I just want you to look, observe. See how the sprouts are breaking through the ground. See how the buds are starting to form. See how when you awake, you're refreshed. See what God is doing. Watch. You want to know how this is going to happen? Well, be quiet and watch your wife's body change. Listen to her celebration as she rejoices, as her shame is removed and her joy is exploding within her. Be quiet and watch. Another, uh, I meant to, uh, Here we go. Read this in Habakkuk. 
Habakkuk is the complaining prophet, uh, probably related to Zechariah in some ways. If you go and read, he, he cries out to God, how long are you going to be silent, God? How long? God re- responds to him in chapter 2, verse 20, with the, these words. Uh, and uh, those who have been doing the Gospel Project, you would have read this in the last several weeks. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Perfect passage for Zechariah, who'd forgotten that the Lord was present in his holy temple, active. He says, here's what you need to do. Just be quiet and watch. And in the end, nine months later, if you read on the rest of the the story, the next words out of Zechariah's mouth are words of obedience and faith and trust. For he says, his name is John. And everybody else is like, why? Who? Why'd you get that name? That's nobody in your family. There's no reason for that name. His name is John. Those nine months of silence had prepared him. God also knew that the people would not be ready to accept the uncertain invitations of Jesus either. Without the preparation of John the baptizer. God tells us through Gabriel. That Zechariah's baby John will prepare the people for God's work of salvation. That we know will be fulfilled in Jesus. God did it for Zechariah. He does it for his people. He does it for me and you. And even those outside of the church. That he's called to participate in his plan of salvation. God wants us to participate in his plan of salvation, not just be a fan on the sidelines, but to be involved in the field. But he prepares us. He sets us up. He he gives us what we need to prepare to participate, even if we're not ready. As a church, we believe that. And we believe God is calling us to a unique opportunity to be a growing, diverse community of Jesus followers. People of different races and economics and ages and political convictions who come together united in Jesus. And we want to be a growing community, both deeper and wider. And He is preparing us and will continue to prepare us in this uncertain invitation And we want to grow deeper and wider. And it takes time. It takes effort. It takes trust. You know, five years ago, we made a commitment to engage with Pleasant Hill as a school. We wanted to help children in challenging situations. Help them learn to read and write and add and subtract. And we also wanted to share the love of Jesus. Well, after five years of preparation, of learning, of growing, of praying, of trusting of building trust, building relationships. This year, we saw the fruit of some of that under-the-surface work as three of those children have accepted Jesus and joined in the community to be a part now, not just to look, not just to receive, but to now active participants in the work of God's salvation in their lives and the lives of their family and in their school. For five years, we wondered and prayed and faithfully worked And this fall, God blessed us with fruit. You know, that can, that can happen in our lives. You know, it's, it's like a house project. You know, when you start a house project, you know, you, you say, all right, we're going to redo the living room. And it gets messy. And it gets ugly. 
There's a number of you smiling because you've just been through those, right? It gets messy and ugly and uncertain. And at some point you're like, are we doing the right thing? And you got to do the preparation. You got to get the right tools. But it takes time and energy. And then before it gets pretty, it gets ugly. But then it starts to change and you see the fruit of your labor. Maybe for you, you find yourself in difficult situations. And it's ugly. It may be going very badly, just like for Zechariah. Whatever it might be, family troubles, health concerns, financial concerns, or just the chaos and evil of our world. Be encouraged. Be not afraid. Hear the good news. God is in control. His plan of salvation is being carried out. And you not only receive it, you get to be a part of it. Continue to grow and trust in Christ. I wonder how he might be preparing you through this time. Now, I need to make a significant distinction here. Because the, the, I mentioned this last week. It's the same thing. I want to mention it again. Often we think we need to invite God into our lives. Because we want, to, want God to bless our plans. But I'm sorry, this passage and many others make it clear. The correct order is that God invites us into his plans. We don't invite him into our life. He's already there. Just like with Zechariah, though, God gives us time and energy to prepare us for us receiving his invitation to follow his plans. Even if it may entail an extreme prison cell in Turkey. How might God meet you in the midst of your troubles or your malaise and inviting you to participate in his plan today? And there also also may be some of you who are coming alongside a friend or family member who does not yet know Jesus. You've invited them to follow Christ. You've tried to be a witness to them. But for them, it's an uncertain invitation Don't give up. Give them the time they need to prepare also. I encourage you, invite them to next Sunday. Um, Invite them to Christmas Eve. Invite them to Alpha when we start, whether it's in January or when we we do it outside of the church building in, in April. Those might also be times of preparation for them. Continue to pray for those around you whom you've been inviting, whom God has laid on your heart. That they would consider Jesus their Savior and their Lord and would also hear that uncertain invitation but respond ultimately with faith. Give them space and time just like God gave Zechariah, just like God gives us. Now, the end of the story, um, ultimately Eliza, Zechariah, and John, um, uh, of the, the end of their, their, their story of, of Elizabeth, Zechariah, and John, It's not in in this text, but later on in in the story, we find out that John matures. He fulfills the plans of God. He sets the table for Jesus to appear in his public ministry, preparing the way for him um, uh, so that others uh, would follow him just like God had planned. And and he, he didn't meet a noble end, however, not from a human perspective. Eventually, he was imprisoned as well and beheaded. And his end in this life was not uh, noble. But from the eyes of faith, 
John fulfilled exactly what God had planned. And what we know now is that in Christ, Elizabeth, Zechariah, and John all join in the eternal celebration of heaven. They now see from the 10,000 foot view the whole story and know that they have served the eternal purposes of God even in the midst of disappointment, destruction, and death. God's plans are the only plans to ultimately succeed. Uncertain invitations are really only uncertain in our own human frailty and weakness. But God is aware of that. And He prepares us. So keep the faith. Grow in faith. Continue to follow in Jesus. Looking for God's work in you and around you. God will fulfill His promises. And one day, all that is wrong will be made right. And all that is bad will be made good. And everything that we do in Christ will contribute to his ultimate victory. Amen.